All right, Father Jonathan, I think we are in Holy Week. Are we there? We're almost there. Is it technically, is Palm Sunday the beginning of Holy Week, or is it separate from? It is the beginning of Holy Week, uh, by my count. Okay. The entrance into Jerusalem. Yeah, yeah. So we have, everything is already starting to look and feel like Holy Week, because we have like a different mm-hmm. liturgy, different colors, um, free things given to you at Mass. <laughs> mm-hmm, uh-huh. mm-hmm. Yeah, we, uh, how did we do that last year? We did give away palms, I believe. Maybe we didn't. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. This will be my first. This will be my first Palm Sunday as a yeah. priest, and in a parish during the pandemic. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I don't. I don't think we're planning on it here. On doing any any Palm Sunday. Uh, we've not purchased any palms <laughs> as of yet. <laughs> yeah, Sunday morning you're going to be harvesting I mean, in your backyard. W- yeah, we only get. We do have palm trees. Um, this is Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh. We only get like twenty-five people anyway, so it's not that big of a deal. Right, right. But, but, yeah, that is interesting. And I don't know. I have to go back and read the bishop's directives. I don't know if we're allowed to do all the things. Yeah, yeah. I was asking the pastor today, and it seems like we're not allowed to do the procession um, at the beginning of mass, but we are allowed to bless palms. And we've been having a good yeah. number of people at mass. Like today, uh, as we record on the fifth Sunday, I um. I just came back from Mass, and we had about 150 people <laughs> at Mass, um, wow. which is great. And for me, as a young priest, like it's really good to have these experiences, as isolated as they are, like just some experiences mm-hmm. of pastoral ministry where people actually come, you know? Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, really quick, I'll just tell you, my <laughs> to speak about my homily today, it was another one of those where I sat down and I was like, uh-oh, what just happened? Like, I'm not sure <laughs> it was good or bad. But I was talking to one of the guys that was with me, and he said he said it was really good, but it was a hard homily. It was like a hard hitting homily. Hmm. Um, what made it difficult? It apparently, and I felt this as I was preaching it. Um, I decided to go the route that we were talking last week, which was like, what is the point of all of our fasting and all of our uh, almsgiving and all of our prayer if, when the time comes to go with Jesus to Jerusalem, we run away from the cross? Um, mm-hmm. And so I. I leaned into that pretty hard uh, where I even kind of spoke firmly about we're all being called to go to the cross with Christ. And why are we here uh, doing what we're doing on a Sunday? What do, why do we do anything that we do if when the time comes to approach the cross, we do like the disciples and we run away? Um, so just kind of a hard hitting thing of like, look, we're getting into the Paschal mystery in the next week or so. Like we'll be reading the passion coming up, you know? So like, the cross stands right in front of us, you know, uh, it's time to like sort of test where we're at, you know, kind of do like a, an examine of what we're at, you know, are we afraid of the cross? It's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting that that's such a, like a radical message. I mean, it, yeah. it should be yeah, 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 yeah. the message of the cross needs to be, but still it's like, this is exactly, especially as a preacher. And I, this is what I want to get into for our readings for, for the passion, but like, this is the exact thing that preachers need to be preaching That's exactly about. right. Yeah, <laughs> and you're right. It's it's a little bit interesting that I was a little bit self-conscious afterwards that I made such a strong claim about, you know, Jesus' crucifixion is the dividing line. Like, like it's it's there, you know? And I kind of leaned, leaned into the, the Greeks thing. I kind of went this line of, like, the Greeks, they're looking for the good life, you know? Greek philosophy is always looking for the good life. And Christ offers the good life, but it's not... 
it's not a pleasant life. Like it's it's the life of of Calvary, you know, and the resurrection through Calvary. But anyway, so but you're right. Like it's it's surprising that that's a that's a, a tough message to hear, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, mm-hmm. but yeah, you you think you might preach that this coming Sunday? We got the passion reading, so. Well, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm gonna I'm on the schedule at least. I don't know <clears throat> what our Holy Week schedule will look like if it'll change at all, but as of mm-hmm. now, it is mm-hmm. me. Um and yeah, this this first reading from Isaiah is the one that really is striking mm. me. The Lord God has given me a well-trained tongue yeah. that I might know how to speak to the That's weary, right. a word that will rouse mm. them. Like this is exactly what you're right, talking about. Right. Are the people being roused by anything or are we just kind of going through the motions and being, you know, complacent in what we think we know about what the cross is asking of yeah. us. I I'm I've become very convinced that what you're saying like what you're saying is true that I think that we do what Paul said is we empty the cross of its meaning. The cross becomes a devotional yeah. uh the Christian life becomes a way of like good self-improvement and that's virtually it, you know? And I I remember my um at my ordination one of my good friends said to me when you preach now don't don't remove the the like make sure you preach the gospel with teeth like the gospel with its teeth and and yeah. not empty it of its of its bite because it has a bite you know and it should rouse the people awake from their slumber you know mm-hmm. yeah but also don't forget that very first part the lord god has given me a well-trained tongue like we know what to do we've we've been through a decade of training yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh and and this is the point where we get to put it yeah, to use. Yeah. And so many times, and you spoke of this, you know, of your, of your last time preaching. And I feel this all the time as well. Like when it comes time, well, we start to back down and say, well, that's a little too much. Maybe I'll just find something yeah. a little right, easier right, right. to say. And this, I mean, on Passion Sunday, it's like, this is the time <laughs> where we can't do anything but preach Christ that's crucified. Right. That's right. And what that means yeah. to us. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, what's curious, I think in general what you're saying is true. It doesn't seem like that's material for the homily itself, but just sort of like a good, well, you know, encouragement yeah, for you I mean, to actually not uh, yeah. preach, you know, with, with, with a timid heart, you know. Um, yeah, it's certainly it's certainly fruit for prayer for sure. But I think it could be material for preaching because, yeah, I mean, I put it into my own context, but that's the beauty of the scriptures that each person does mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. And so what does it mean for a mother and a father to recognize that the Lord God has given them a well-trained tongue and that, that, may know, that they may know how to speak to the weary, a word that will right. rouse them? What does it mean for the teeth? Like all of these different people and everybody is go, are, will read that in a very particular way and it's going to speak to them in a very particular mm-hmm, way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the key is, and I think the good news of this, especially in light of, uh, of the gospel, both of them, is that as long as you are, how do I want to say this? As long as you are coming up to, well, as long as you're shouting with joy, <laughs> Hosanna mm-hmm. in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the mm-hmm. name of the Lord, uh, and recognizing that it's only through the cross, then then I think that that's how we are authentically living our Christian yeah, vocation. Yeah. So like for me to preach that the, that the cross is a dividing line, so like I, I, can, I can preach that and I should preach that, you know, and I can preach that with a well-trained tongue, and I'm supposed to preach that to rouse the weary. 
Um, but can I do it with joy? Like not with fake joy, not just with a, a forced smile, but like, is this good news ultimately? Like how, like, and that, that might be the difference, you know, am I preaching good news to people by pointing out the cross or am I pointing out bad news by pointing out the cross, you know? Um, and it might be there that there's, there's a difference between like actually preaching the gospel on a passion Sunday, um, or just being sort of a doom and gloom, uh, kind of a, a nuisance of a preacher, you know, just always wanting everything to be dour or sad or or hard or whatever, you know? Yeah, you know, I mean, I get what you're saying. I don't think that we need to be so averse to to seeing the darkness in mm. our world. Like, this is one of the reasons why, uh, sort of anecdotally, this is one of the reasons why I like horror movies and heavy metal music is because it shows the very real reality that darkness is in our world and it's a it's a real threat mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we need to be able to point that out and to say it and to look at it and to say that this will not overcome right. us that there is a light that will overshadow even this very scary very real mm. thing that makes me want to turn around and run yeah 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 <laughs> you know i gotta say so uh, if, if i if i were to to try and wrestle with this gospel, uh, which I don't think a homeless can. I don't think it's possible to preach this gospel as in, in full. Like, I think you almost have to focus on a detail or focus on one part and just preach that or just preach the whole feast, you know, just that we're entering into Jerusalem and the passion sort of as a topic. But it, kind of what you're saying about, yeah. like, the reality of darkness in our world and not being afraid of that but standing in the truth, I, I'm wondering if the best angle for a homily is to focus on the very last part of the passion reading um so we kneel and pause for a short time while jesus is hanging dead on the cross but that those last yeah. four lines like that's the good news it's like truly this was the son of god like that's the revelation of his yep. divinity right there um and there's a call to action there because it's coming like the sanctuary is torn open so there's a whole homily there it's the son of God is his identity is proclaimed. There's a whole homily there, but it's also the centurion who isn't a disciple of Christ. So like, there's really a call to action mm -hmm. here. It's like, we're the ones who are, should be able to recognize Christ, but we're nowhere to be seen in this scene. Like we're not yep. here, yep. you know, we're unable to face the darkness of the cross. And it's the good news is coming through the mouth of someone who isn't even a disciple. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, quite honestly, I can't help but think there isn't a connection there between our unwillingness to to look at the cross and unwillingness to see the cross for what it is, a scary instrument of death. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, that when the when the rubber hits the road, yeah, it's no no wonder we're we're running mm -hmm. away because we don't like looking at scary right. things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what so what do you make of this uh, idea to focus in on this last part? Was that how you would would you find one detail well, in the passion reading or just focus on Jeremiah? I want to Yeah, so I want to I want to I want to preface something. Not preface. I want to I want to point something mm -hmm. out that I'm I'm think I'm I'm thinking I'm going to break my own oh. rule here. And I'm interesting that you did it without even mentioning that you did it. <laughs> What's that? Do you know what no I'm talking idea. about? <laughs> you were just quoting the second uh, option. The short oh, was version. I really? <laughs> oh, yeah. okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, from from Mark, because oh. this one... Oh, they're both from Mark, but it's oh, the I short see. version. The longer version, I just scrolled all the way to the bottom. The, the short, the yeah. long version keeps going, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so 
and especially because I don't know what our, like, if we've got any help. <laughs> so I don't know that I want to read that whole thing by myself. Uh, so I may end up doing, reading, proclaiming, I should say, the shorter version. Because it's still not that short. Right, right. It's pretty long. Right. And so how does the long version um, end? It ends with them laying him in the tomb. So, yeah, so we pause, and then the veil was stripped, and then truly was the Son of God, and there's like, yeah, five or six more verses. Uh, Mary Magdalene, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when it was already evening, uh, he's died, and then they laid him in right. the tomb. Right, you had Joseph of Arimathea. Mary Magdalene. And so here's the... Uh, here's the end of this part, which I think is also interesting and perhaps worth preaching on. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, watched where he was laid. Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of... And that that kind of goes to exactly what I was just saying. Are we are we strong mm. enough to mm. watch? Yeah, yeah. Why do you... So here, I'm struggling a little bit right now because I'm thinking about what I preached on today. And I wonder... Part of me is wondering, like, why... So, like... Are we averse to the cro- like? Why are we averse to the cross? Are we like, like? Is it? Is just? Is I think part of our our struggle is not fear of persecution, but we're just so complacent. I just think there's a complacency, yeah. more than fear. Like we're not. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm projecting, but like I feel like as a generation, or maybe as a millennium of Christians, we're just not really persecuted in the West, and so like, I don't know. Are you afraid of the cross? Are you afraid of the eventuality of death? I just. That doesn't really strike me as doesn't ring true to my experience, but I like I, I am very complacent. Like the cross has just become a fixture yeah. on my wall, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the importance of something like a memento mori devotion, and certainly, those of us with, you know, uh, uh, death in the family, a close a close member of our family. If somebody has died, then yeah, we recognize the immediacy of death in the in yeah. our lives yeah uh so it does you know yeah there it just depends on the person mm. i guess if you've never if you've never faced a tragedy like that then it can be even further removed which is not to say that i'm better or perfect or or even good at looking at the cross um it's different but i think i'm still yeah i think i'm confident in saying that i still don't look at it with um the fear and awe mm, that yeah. I should. Yeah. Maybe there's um, a good, there's a good thing there of adding awe there. Like, am I really in awe of the cross? And I don't think I am. Like, I think the cross mm-hmm. is, and maybe that's a way of emptying it of its meaning. You know, is is like, there's nothing about it. That's all inspiring. Just not because yeah. I don't believe in what it is, but it's just, it's so familiar, you know? Yeah, you know, and and I wonder if that's if that's one of the downsides, even to what I'm trying to argue for. You know, if we only look at this thing as an instrument of mm-hmm. torture and of death, then it does lose it does lose some of that because this isn't just a means of death. This is where our God, who was made flesh, <laughs> uh, hung and right. died for for right, us, right. like not just not just so that he could die or so that the Jews could be appeased. Uh, but for right, us. Right. Yeah. You know, and there's that wonderful Good Friday hymn that we never get to hear. <laughs> uh that I that I just love so much and even now that I've mentioned it, I'm not gonna be able to quote it, but um, you know, up up on this cross where our savior where our savior hung mm-hmm. or was hanged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
sweet the timber, sweet the iron, sweet the burden that they bear, wow. something like that. Hmm. You know, when you speak of awe, I just go back to the centurion. Like, this is a man who yeah. is in awe of the cross. Like, I just wonder if there's, there, for me, maybe this is, I'm, I'm finding myself in the centurion. Like, this is the man that I want to be. Like, I want to be, like, I, I have been persecuting Christ. I do persecute Christ. But he goes through a conversion seeing the cross with new eyes and seeing the divinity of Christ mm-hmm. unveiled, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there, I, I think I'm leaning in that direction of preaching that last part um, as my whole homily, I think it's like as we're beginning Holy Week, how how am I in awe of what Jesus does for me, um, or am I not? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think there is a lot of room, especially when you're dealing with these big liturgies, and maybe maybe the pandemic is going to change this, but you know, and I think I bring this up every year, and I keep forgetting to look it up. Uh, I think the read the 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 germ the general instruction for this liturgy says something like if a homily is present then it should be brief <laughs> maybe not if i think there's sh- it does says a homily should yeah, be present yeah, yeah. even if yeah, brief that's right that's right uh so like in a sense these readings i mean especially the passion reading like it kind of speaks for itself even Especially when you've got the the choir there, the chorus, right. and the people them are saying "crucify him, crucify him." Like, you know what that means when you say that. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, I think I think there is a level of this of all of these feasts of this whole season, where it does, in a sense, speak for itself. Mm-hmm. So the preacher then, go, going back to Isaiah, <laughs> uh, really needs to to hone in on how maybe even on how these, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it does need to be something very specific, though, and not a typical totally, homily totally. where you're just kind hey, of I, I guess, rambling on yeah. about fun well, things. Well, to your point, to your point, I was just looking at the germ right now, and it's very rare that the that the liturgy prescribes how to preach, and this is one of the uh-huh. rare Sundays where it does. It says, after the narrative of the Passion, a brief homily should take place. So there needs to be yeah. a homily, but it needs to be brief. And I think that's... That's yeah. fitting for what you're like. What you're saying, it's fitting for the theme, which is look. We it's not just maybe this is a practical instruction. Like we just read a very long thing, so be brief. Um, but it's also because of the gravity of what we've read. Maybe like let the passion yeah. end on a very somber note, and don't don't yeah. add more noise. Like let people yeah lay him in the tomb and. And see him hanging on the cross, like that should that should be enough, you know? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah. I'm getting yeah. chills. No, for me. So, like, I think I could end my. I think I could just preach. I could I could literally finish the gospel, just stand up there and reread those last four lines of the centurion as my homily, hmm. um, yeah, and just let it be. And I think I'd be very happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. Just like a, a gut yeah. punch. Yeah, man. Oof. What Oof. are you feeling? What do you got? <laughs> I don't even know. I, I like it. I like it a lot. I think uh, the the idea, I mean, I love liturgy, and I think this is one of the ways in which it shines. Like, it's saying a lot, especially these readings and the way that, we, that we've just, you know, we've just entered into this, well, who knows what we'll do with the procession, but we enter into this glory shouting on the tops of our, of our lungs, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Like it's so triumphant, and then, yeah. <laughs> then we get to the yeah. gospel, yeah, and it's boom, right? 
Here yeah. it is. I, yeah, I'm getting a little <laughs> bit of chills too, just thinking about like, this is a good reminder that the homily is not replacing the readings, but like the homily needs to just let the readings ring. Like the bell has been rung. Yeah. Like let the, let the bell ring, you know? <laughs> Um, and anyway, I'm not there to dampen the bell. I'm just there to let it ring right. loudly. Um, right. or to, or to justify anything or to, yeah, to try to make, to try to comfort people and say, it's really not oh, that no, bad. It is <laughs> like that's preaching at its worst. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's as bad. If you think this is bad, it's that bad. <laughs> <laughs> it gets yeah. Worse. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. This is good. That's, that's, uh, that's good. I feel, I feel more comfortable approaching this beast of a liturgy, uh, yeah. You got any parting thought? Uh, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, watched where he laid. Boom. All right, man. Watch it. All right, Go dude. Pray. Until next time.